Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we are going to review Season 6, Episodes 9 and 10, Statistical Probabilities, and The Magnificent Ferengi. Michael, start us off with a plot synopsis of Statistical Probabilities. So DS9 is visited by uh, a few augmented people, just like Bashir, but Mm -hmm. unlike Bashir, they have not been able to uh, comfortably assimilate themselves into society, and they're basically in in, a... um, institute um, where they are separated from everybody else and they're not allowed to to uh, I guess compete with us uh, normal brained people yeah uh, and they're also uh, very much handicapped in many ways by by uh, their extreme intelligence they're, they're not exactly able to function uh, in, in society and they're a danger to themselves and, and potentially to others so it's Bashir's idea to, to basically show them that, that that it is possible to be a functioning member of uh, society. And uh, and the episode is about him trying to find something to, to kind of ground them. And and, uh, and what that happens to be is uh, international politics, basically. It's it's the Federation and the and the Dominion. Yeah. Uh, they catch a speech by Gul Damar, he's now the Gull. Uh, calling for you know peace talks essentially with the Federation, and they're just because of their extreme intelligence, they're able to read his motivations and figure out that uh, he killed uh, his predecessor's daughter, and that he's actually a puppet from uh, Avorta. Mm-hmm. They figure all this stuff out, so um, the Federation becomes interested in, in maybe making use of them. And they start making these reports about how to negotiate with the Dominion, the, the proper uh, strategy. Bashir's buying into this. He's thinking that this is amazing. And eventually they decide that um, 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 they're going to lose. That the Dominion, there's no way to win. And yeah. the best thing to do is actually to surrender. They've done all their statistical probabilities and and that's the only option. Uh, everybody else refuses to. Bashir is, is very torn. He can't decide on this. And and then they realize that you can't actually account for everything all the time and you can't really live your life according to these statistical probabilities. There's always some uh, anarchic force that can shake things up. And uh, that's basically it. There we go. So uh, uh, what do you think of this episode? I, I love when they take um, some little weird piece of of Star Trek that that usually goes unexplained. Uh, like, what happened to all these other people who are augmented? You know, Bashir can, could possibly be the only one. And then they just explore it and figure it out. And I love this episode just for that. I think it was fascinating. It, it, it uh, does kind of fall apart for me at the end. They have all these interesting ideas and... and and themes, and they don't quite wrap it up cleanly. Uh, some some of it seems to be some questions. Like what? What, what well, question you had? Well, this is this is a little tricky. I, my my brain's a bit fog foggy. I'm not augmented. My my IQ yeah. isn't isn't that high. 
but uh, there was this this idea of um, uh, well, there's the ethical stuff that they do resolve, like like Bashir himself is able to function in, in society. Why why should he be held back? And you know, um, but this idea that that if um, you have this report saying that you will save you know billions of lives by surrendering, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you surrender? And uh, and the answer to that is is because maybe your calculations are wrong. Like yeah. it, it doesn't seem like the greatest resolution to that question. I, I think it. W- I think in some ways it's too easy. I think uh, they let themselves off the hook a little bit. See, for me that wasn't a problem at all. Yeah. It was like um. So and I looked at it was funny when I was watching this. I was thinking about Isaac Asimov's um, series, The Foundation mm-hmm. uh, series. Did you read that? No, I I've never read it. It's terrible. It is I, terrible. I, no, no, I am, a terrible, I am a terrible person. Yeah, uh, but uh, I was thinking of it because I'm uh, I read a lot of sci-fi when I was a teenager, <clears throat> and in the Foundation series, it's all about uh, this thing called psychohistory and this idea that mm-hmm. there's a guy who has developed basically through immense statistical probabilities and through understanding of uh, you know the way people behave. He has predicted that this galactic empire, which is modeled on, say, the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. um, will go through a period of dark ages. And But he has found a way to kind of minimize the dark ages that occur mm-hmm. so that it won't be as bad. And, uh, and for the first, I think, couple books, it seems like all of his predictions come true. But then um, what happens is um, this individual arises this telepath named the mule arises Mm -hmm. and suddenly all of his predictions start not coming true anymore Mm -hmm. and it's because uh although he can predict wide scale uh, changes uh there's always the possibility that an individual as you say an anarchic force can emerge that completely ruins all predictions right and uh and so for like that was what they were alluding to and that is kind of the Mm. the the resolution is that there is no way to predict the future. There's no way to to show that any sort of calculation is going to be successful. Right. And so they were they were deluded in thinking that they could be mm. that they are very intelligent people, but they, um, as Miles was saying, uh, when Bashir was talking to him, you know, oh, I'm just an idiot, so you don't have to listen to my opinion at all, right? Um, and we were briefly talking about this before we started our podcast. Yeah. Should we listen to people who are not that smart, right? <laughs> and uh, we, we were talking about newspaper columnists <laughs> for our listeners. But uh, but uh, but yeah. So this idea that you know we shouldn't get people shouldn't get too fixated on their own intelligence because it blinds them from their from reality and mm-hmm. from the actuality of situations and i felt it was well mm. i thought it was well uh shown in the fact that these were very very smart people and they thought oh we predicted the future for the next thousand years and yet um and yet they were simply undone by like mm. a girl untying a, a dude right like they were incredibly blind yeah to something right in front of their eyes, because yeah. we're talking about Jack is the is the violent one who's sort of leading this campaign, 
and Serena is the quiet one, and and Jack isn't even aware that Serena uh, cares deeply about him, and and yeah. she's the one that ultimately undo- undoes his plan. I think for me though, the the debate I always like in these in, in these is is that ethical debate. Like uh, I'm just thinking about the Fog of War, you know, the documentary with Robert McNamara, where he talks. He well, seriously, he, talk, he talks about he talks about his. You know, uh, his actions in military ca- campaigns during the Second World War yeah, cost yeah, yeah. all these lives, let's see, right? And people are like, oh my gosh, that's horrifying. And then he says, but I also push for airbags and cars. So so he says it probably, I've actually saved more lives than I've killed, right? It's like yeah. absolutely chilling. And the way that he thinks he's just a human calculator. Oh, yeah. And, he... and, and I like that debate where you're thinking... We should surrender and, and less lives will be lost. But, but we will be under... Uh, this authoritarian regime for like 100, 200 years until there's an uprising. We've calculated the uprising will happen in Earth and then a new federation will form and it will be around for a thousand years. Yeah. Right? I like that debate. I just, I don't know, it just seemed a bit pat when they wrap it up by saying you can never predict everything. Especially when they start the episode saying that they have this theory that, that the longer out that they predict something, the more accurate it is. But it's just a, it's a lie. It's not yeah. true. Well, those very smart augmented people tricked me. <laughs> but that's what I mean I liked about it, was that it actually deals with these issues very subtly in mm. that you are supposed to believe that they can't predict the future, that their their prediction is correct. Yeah. But there's no reason to think that it is actually true, mm-hmm. right? They just have a bunch of, like, it's like anyone who says they can predict the future. Yeah. They have a bunch of fancy things that say they can tell the truth or, or the future, but... We have no uh, reason to believe it. Sure, yeah. ask ask anybody investing in the stock market. <laughs> yeah, um, there's lots of there's plenty of people who are telling us we can what the future will be like right now. So, yeah. so I think that was I actually had no problem with that. Um, I felt like there were some scenes that were just like a little awkward or weird. Mm. Uh, some of the scenes with um, between Miles and uh, and Bashir, like particularly the resolution scene was yeah, my favorite. Yeah. I yeah, I did yeah, I agree. There the 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 one of the awkward things for me in this episode was Lauren. I think she's a good character. She's an interesting character, but she's always lying down in the entire episode. I know. She's got that I guess she's named after Lauren Bacall or someone, but she's supposed to be like the the sexy genius, you Yeah. Know? And then at the very end, when they're teleporting away, she's, she's lying down. down. I know. And I just thought she's going to, you know, she gets transported and she's going to rematerialize lying down somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. I know. I thought that was a weird thing, too. Um, I guess they were trying to. Mm. I was like, I have just recently had a hernia operation. And I was like, did she recently have a hernia operation? <laughs> maybe, maybe she did. Yeah. Um, but they, but I understand if if you have an episode and you have you have you know here's what four brand new characters and we have to distinguish them because you're not going to remember them. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. you know you have Patrick who's kind of goofy but is actually really obviously very smart. Yeah. Jack the twitchy violent one. Lauren the the one who lies down. <laughs> and who's kind <laughs> and of Ser- sultry. And, yeah. and Serena the quiet one. You have yeah. to kind of make them cartoonish almost in order to in yeah. order to get the audience to remember them and i i liked them i thought they were mm. great characters um lauren was a little bit pro a little bit too much lying down you know i i like I, my okay one of my favorite scenes in this was they're so good smart at, at reading people and figuring things out 
that when uh, that when O'Brien comes in and they figure out that he's just lonely and yeah. wants to hang out with his friend Bashir because they can actually hear that there's nothing wrong with that power coupling, right? Yeah. And, and Patrick's like, why are you really here, O'Brien? And he's so embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like your secret, you know, emotions laid bare for everyone to see. Yeah, and uh, um, there was that nice moment, and I think, you know, uh, a lot of people can feel this sometimes where, you know, you may f- like Bashir suddenly feels like he's in a, a group of people that he can finally really connect with because mm-hmm. they're very similar to him. And whereas O'Brien um, em- emblemizes why these people are not in integrated into society because they have no ability to have tact. They have no ability to interact with other people mm-hmm. the way other people want them to want to be interacted with. So, and this is once again part of their arrogance, right? They think they know everything. They think that they make a decision about the fate of the Dominion, or sorry, the Elf Quadrant, mm-hmm. um, based upon their own thinking without without asking anyone else. Yeah. Like, so they're incredibly arrogant, and um, and this is part of the reason why they're kind of impossible to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that needs to be addressed here is that these people are so smart that they, and this is something that happens with smart people, is that they start to disvalue people's consent or willingness to agree. Like, um, so they like, uh, this is the best course of action for the Alpha Quadrant. It will save the most lives. However... If you're talking about life and death, you should be asking those people what they want to do rather than making that decision for them. Yeah. Particularly when you're saying you're going to be um, under uh, under rule by someone else, right? Mm. And people are allowed to make a decision, no, I'd rather die than have that. And that is not something that was factored into their calculations or anything. Yeah. The subject of a consent. Which is which is the, the Cisco argument, too. When when Cisco's confronted with these reports uh, and they say, okay, Bashir says we're going to have to surrender, he says, no way. I mean, even if the reports are accurate, which he, th- he thinks, yeah, they probably are, there's there's a moral judgment here at, at play. Yeah. And this is a this is something that science has had to deal with before. That um, many times, uh, you know, there's that uh, story of the what's it called the immortal cells of a Henrietta Lacks, mm. and it was about that um, uh, that black woman whose cells were taken from her, mm. and um, and have been used. They they've been multiplied and, and are essentially immortal, and they've been used in laboratories all over the world. You're talking. It's a Radiolab episode, right? About a cancerous tumor. I, I I didn't hear it on Radiolab. I read about it. Oh, but... I sorry. I I heard it on Radiolab. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So it was it, and yeah. and the scientists that originally took her cells, um, they did not ask for her consent. Mm-hmm. Uh, her family lived in poverty for years, you know, and there was no benefit to them. But their idea was like, oh, science mm-hmm. will benefit everyone. Therefore, this is why we should do it, and. Once again, we need to remember that whether or not it's for the greater good is is it's all wonderful to think about. We need to think about consent whenever we're we're making decisions mm-hmm. about people's lives, mm-hmm. and this is something they do not consider. And um, so, 
I think it's a really like we've I think this is just shown this is a really pregnant uh, show with a lot of pregnant ideas and or uh, pregnant with ideas in it. And um, I think uh, it maybe could have been expanded on a little bit. Hmm. But overall, I, I was I think it's interesting to think about these ideas. And I, I enjoyed the hmm. episode. I like the characters. I just felt like there was like it felt like the story was maybe like 35 minutes and there was like some other scenes in it that I never felt that exciting or interesting in it. Right, right. And that was maybe my issue with it. Yeah. Yeah. But all all in all, I mean, we're I, I think we're both kind of nitpicking. You know, I, I think overall it was a pretty solid episode. Yeah. You know? Which which is indicative of, of the quality of this show in season six. Yeah. Like this is probably one of the lesser episodes we've seen so far. But it's still way better than a lot of the, you know, previous yeah. stuff we've seen. And it's interesting that it's it's also continuing the storyline of the overall mm-hmm. storyline. Like this, as we as you said, Goldemar, Demar is now a Gaul, and mm-hmm. we're getting an idea of you know what's happening still in uh, Cardassia. They still need the Ketrasil White. They're trying to find a place to produce it in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, you get all these little hints about what's going on. Yeah. What one question this episode? May I must be very dense. Um, so Wayun and Galdemar show up to get this intel from the super geniuses. Yeah. Uh, and then Starfleet arrives. Where are they? They're in like a they're like a cargo bay or like a, a passageway like, or something. Like or... why is why are the two top ranking people there to do this? And were they captured? It just kind of ends. Like, oh where, no, what no, happens no. with them? No, it was like the implication was just that uh, they're not going to meet with them. Right. I mean, it's so bizarre. Why did the two high-ranking people show up to do that? Because I thought, oh my gosh, this is so... Oh, but no, they were already there yeah. for, for the peace talks. Oh, I need my were... brain augmented. Yeah, because they were having peace talks <laughs> with Cisco. remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was what they... They had that whole scene where they, like... Yeah. They did the... Um, the video update. Oh, yeah, 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 like yeah a, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It was like a... Oh, yeah, and then they watched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was really cool. I like that, that they that they could see a hologram presentation of, of it. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, Watch in real time and, like, go back to a, a certain time uh, to repeat it. Yeah, that was... And neat. we got to hear some Dominionese. Mm. With uh, Wayun was talking. They took away the Universal Translator so we mm. could hear what... Um, what uh, Wayun is oh, actually yeah, saying. Oh yeah, right, right. And um, I was reading the notes, and uh, Jeffrey Coombs said he said that was oh. one of the hardest things he's ever had to do as an really? actor, <laughs> because making nonsensical syllables sound like language is really hard. Yeah. So yeah, apparently he spent like hours and hours working on that. Well, Jack managed to teach himself Dominion ease in uh, a couple days, which is yeah. very impressive. Go Jack, go. Go Jack, go. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, yeah, I thought this was a fun episode. Um, a good way to highlight Bashir's, you know, powers. I guess he is a mutant in some ways, like an X Man. Yeah, I'm or... I'm really happy that they're just pushing that idea. Like, you know, yeah. I think it's made his character much more interesting. Well, I mean, there was there were some that were irritating, like when he was asked, he was basically doing data stuff, like mm-hmm. calculating like warp warp times and stuff. Yeah, you know? that was. Human calculator that was kind of mm. annoying, but I like I, this is a fuller exploration of it, and it feels more reasonable. Mm. Well, shall we move on to episode ten, the Magnificent Frankie? 
Yes. So okay. Please give a synopsis. Um, so uh, in this episode, um, Quirk is uh, telling a story about how much profit he made, and he's disappointed when everyone stops paying attention to him and instead pays attention to Dax and O'Brien and because uh, um, they're talking about how they just came back from the front lines. And, Saving the day again. Yeah. And, uh, and so Quirk is a little disappointed by this, but he quickly perks up because he finds that he has a, a way to um, uh, perhaps gain the spotlight again because his poor Moogie has been kidnapped She's been kidnapped by the Dominion. And so he uh, decides to negotiate for a prisoner exchange. Uh, they're going to exchange that Keevan fellow, that Forta, that was mm. found in the Rocks and Shoals episode. Mm -hmm. And they're going to exchange her for Moogie. And they're going to do it on Empok Nor, uh, which is the abandoned space station that looks exactly like Tarek Nor. But which, it's sideways. It's sideways. <laughs> which doesn't exist in space. <laughs> well, everything is sideways in space. It yeah, just exactly. depends on how you look at it, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, and to to do this, uh, Quark coordinates or gathers together a ragtag bunch of heroes, including his his old friend, Cousin Gala, who used to own a moon, but apparently is in prison now. Liquidator Brent joins as well, which is Jeffrey Coombs. Mm-hmm. Um, Lek the Eliminator, who I don't believe we've met before, no. but, uh, he likes killing people. Um, and, uh, of course, Nog and Rom are also joining them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there are some good comedic scenes, like when they uh, try to do a, 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 uh, I guess a simulation of attacking the Jem'Hadar and it works terribly and <laughs> like, like actually shoots Moogie just to put her out of her misery. Yeah. Uh, so there's, so there's some comedic scenes like that and then they go to Empak Noor and they try to do the prisoner exchange. Mm -hmm. Of course, things are thrown in their way including the death of, accidental death of Keevan. Uh, so they have to basically do a bit of a weekend at Bernie's moment uh, where they kind of string Keevan up just so they can do the prisoner exchange. They do it, and then they shoot the Geminar, capture the other Vorda, and save Moogie. So it's a, basically a very uh, happy ending for everyone. So, <laughs> so what did you think about this one? I thought it was okay. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, um, I, you know, I like the Ferengi. I don't know. I Maybe I was just distracted when I was watching it. I wasn't that into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like all the Ferengi. It just... It's hard to mix um, the preposterousness of the Ferengi with the, you know, the terror of the Dominion. Mm. And for me, I felt like it was, like, too much of a stretch sometimes. Like, the fact that the Ferengi could be successful against the Dominion was, like, a little absurd. Mm. Um, but yes, I mean, we got, uh, we got Yilgren, we got Iggy Pop acting as a Vorta, um, and that was good, you know. I was so weird. Okay, first of all, I, I actually really enjoyed this episode because I, 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 I think it's been, I love, I think it was a very entertaining Frankie episode and I just thought, yeah, um, I, 
it's been a long time since I've seen the Magnificent Seven. I thought that that's that's pretty much what they were gonna do, but they don't really do it. And no, there's only they six of them, you know, and this plot doesn't make sense. But but you know how they're when when they get a new member uh, member they hold up their hands like three four and I was like who's gonna be the seventh? Oh no, they're not. They just don't you know. Well, I guess Keepin is the seventh. Is he? Okay. <laughs> but but like nothing else has anything to do with that. Yeah, I know. But I I just thought it was so entertaining, and I lo- like I love the interaction between the Frankie, yeah, especially with Nog, the little commander who's like demanding that they call him Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's uh, trying to like get them yeah. to do stuff, and and Quirk is just yeah. like first one to the infirmary gets two slips of Latin, and <laughs> yeah. they just scurry off. Yeah, he knows how to manage Frankie. Yeah. Uh, I love, there's so many weird moments in this. I, I love the beginning where, where, uh, Quark is telling his, his own story of heroism when he got a bunch of, a good deal on syrup of squill. Yeah. Uh, because the planet where they're made, there's supposed to be some drought, drought. but there wasn't a drought. He saw somebody buying rain boots and he figured it out. And then, uh, uh, was it Lita? Lita, yeah. Lita says, I love syrup of squill on my groat cakes. <laughs> it's just... Something I'm gonna work in uh, to in con- casual conversation later today. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's just there's a lot of funny stuff, and the, I, Iggy, I, the Iggy Pop thing is so nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. I love it though. Um, yeah, I mean we've had some. Uh, there's been some music stars on uh, mm. Star Trek before. Uh, you know that like in the Next Generation, I think Mick Fleetwood was um, oh, yeah. one of these fish aliens in an episode. He was like, covered in makeup, so you couldn't even tell. Oh, yeah. But he had to eat fish out of this giant bowl and stuff. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love when, uh, yeah, when they get, you know, celebrities who obviously love Star Trek and who are... Mm. And, and Iggy Pop is a pretty big uh, role in this episode. It's not just like one or two lines. Like he is a central character. He has such a distinctive voice and look. Too, yeah. Though. He's you, he could never be anything other than Iggy Pop. Yeah. yeah. So they did mention that what I kind of a disappointment is that they wanted Iggy Pop on this um, on the show for a long time, but I think particularly Iris Stephen Bear because he's such a big fan. Uh, but this was like the opportunity, mm. but. The Vorta don't really move very much, and Iggy Pop is really about his, like, movement. Right, right. And so it is a little, it's a bit of an odd fit. But Mm. uh, the Vorta are about, like, kind of weird menace, Mm. and he definitely captures that, you know, the kind of uh, creepy way of just saying everything in a strange way. And staring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor Keevan knows he's going (laughs) to die. Very uh, philosophical about it. Yeah. Um, I, it's kind of sad that he didn't survive, you know? Well, I kind of like that idea that he says that the Vorder is supposed to kill themselves if they're captured so they don't give up secrets. And, yeah. and he's gone against his own programming and says, like, forget that, I want to live. As we've seen, he did it and sacrificed his own troops, too. I mean, yeah. that's that's what he's all about. And then he was killed in this stupid accident in the end. Yeah. And then, as you said, he had this weekend at Bernie's moment where they walked him down the hallway. And, and then forever, forever, he'll be bumping his head into that abandoned space station. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to go back and find him there again, just I, slowly rotting. I, I guess those things will eventually run out of battery juice. Yeah. Or who knows how that works? I'm yeah. sure batteries work very, very well um, in well, this time period. I, I just wonder, too, like... Um, there was previously those crazy Cardassians on the mm. 
on Impact Nor. Did they clean up the bodies? Like, where are the bodies from those guys? I don't Ew, know. Yeah, you made me really smelly in there. I don't know. Oh, and the other thing is is the Iggy Pop character. Um, what's his name again? Yelgren. Yelgren. Um, he'll he might have to kill himself because he's been captured. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy ending. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the poor poor girl Yelgren. They obviously couldn't have had uh, Wayun because sometimes they do reuse Wayun for these sorts of things, but they couldn't use him, obviously, for this episode because mm. uh, Jeffrey Coombs was Liquidator Brunt. Right. So they couldn't uh, reuse him for two. Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, there's lots of great people on this episode, and uh, I think Armin Shimmerman said it was one of his favorite episodes because he got to mm. just work with, like, a bunch of comedic actors and they just got a riff off, each, yeah. off of each other and they got to hang out and yeah. you know and and that must be a lot of fun right yeah um so yeah i mean i'm, I'm pro that stuff i i liked um moogie when when nog is trying to prove that she's not a changeling oh. cuts her hand <laughs> yeah and then he goes she goes let me prove that you're not a changeling and she starts banging <laughs> him on his head yeah and they're like that's not how you prove he's not a changeling <laughs> i also like that she's giving the board of skincare tips for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and investment advice on diversifying um their portfolios he's yeah. like fascinating mm. and 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 so she went to Vulcan to get her lobes lifted, yes. I guess. Yeah. And I think they are smaller. So I was that like a purposeful change? I don't oh, know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I thought that was funny too. <laughs> <laughs> you look so much younger, Moogie. <laughs> so, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. was the, the Iggy Pop characters that line, I thought the Breen were annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, so, yeah. It was it was good. Oh, also, uh, this is like such this was such like a visual joke that that I thought they did so so well when uh, Quark first first finds his brother and they start going through the you know through the bowels of the oh, space the Jeffrey station, tube. the Jeffrey tube, and then they end up on, in Cisco's office. <laughs> I love that part. I, I thought that Cisco's was a little just silly. like what. <laughs> Carry yeah. on. He's so relaxed about it too, but it relaxed in a Cisco way. Like, don't do that again. Yeah. But also very relaxed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I don't think I have much else to say about this episode. It mm. kind of continued the overall plot, I guess, in the sense that we got a little bit about at the beginning of they had the first mm. incursion into Cardassian space that apparently survived. So. Yeah, and then they celebrated with synth ale. Yeah. And I, I never understand that. I don't understand that either. I I do I do not understand the pleasure involved in drinking synthale. Yeah, like they sometimes seem to really really enjoy like really enjoy it. I'm like, why? <laughs> like, so I wonder, is it supposed to mimic the feel of alcohol without intoxication, or does it just taste like alcohol? I'm not sure. I don't get it. Because sometimes they seem kind of drunk, but they're not. Synthale is supposed to be that you don't get drunk on it. Yeah. I don't know. It's not my. Uh, it's, it's like we bar- we barely escape with our lives. We are in Dominion territory. We're back now. I'm going to have a non-alcoholic beverage. Yeah, to I'm going to calm have my a, nerves. I'm going to have a, some near beer. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah, I'm going to have some Labatt XL. You know? <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I don't have anything else to report. No, neither do I. 
Okay. So uh, I guess that wraps it up for this week. As always, you can uh, contact us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Gmail at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. I've been tweeting a bit late recently because uh, I've finally, after all of the mysterious problems in my life have mm. started to resolve, so I've been getting back on uh, responding to some messages. So uh, please do tweet at us. And uh, yes, once again, thanks for listening and have a great week. <laughs>